Sports Charlotte is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network. Listen to your city at queencitypodcastnetwork.com. This is Sports Charlotte, the podcast about sports in Charlotte. My name is Herb White. I'm editor-in-chief at the Charlotte Post. You take a job with a Division II soccer program, thinking that maybe it could graduate to Division I. That is Shannon Neely Noel's reality. When she took the job earlier this year at Queens, the Royals hadn't officially made the transition to Division I. Now they have. And they've gotten off to a little bit of a rough start with uh, no wins, two losses, three draws going into Sunday's match at Tennessee. And so we had a conversation about her new job, the realities of making that transition, and what she expects from the Royals going forward. And here is that conversation. How are you today? I'm fine, thanks. How are you today? I'm doing good. Excellent, excellent. I appreciate you joining me today for a conversation about Queens uh, women's soccer and your new job. Congratulations. Thank I guess you. Uh, some of that has, I guess, has it already worn away. Uh, <laughs> the welcomes and the uh, hellos and uh, yeah, I, you know, the, we were talking about it last night out at the men's game. Uh, yes. <laughs> I think simply because in my eight months in being here, so much has changed and grown and there's been so many other new people that it doesn't feel like my first season. It's just a brand new year for everybody. Um, so everybody's kind of going through the same thing I am now, as opposed to me being in the new kid on the hall. <laughs> yeah. And was, when you talk about all that newness and being new, uh, when you took this job, I guess it was what, in April, May? Well, January. I joined in January, but the yeah, the announcement was made in May. Yeah, and Queens at that point was still a Division II school. Did you take the job with the understanding that it was a, going to be a D1 transfer? or it was So still- I applied not knowing, but they shared that they were in the middle of their exploratory study while I was in my interview process. Um, and then I believe it was during February when they kind of first – put it like the board kind of said like yes we think we should do this and put ourselves out there and then we got the official invites and decision in may so yes and no like i knew it was a high probability based on kind of the feeling i had in speaking with people but never any guarantee (laughs) yeah and and so did that have any impact on how you approached the interview process or as opposed to okay well I'm, i'm taking this job or i'm interviewing for this job as a Division II program, or I'm interviewing for this job as a Division II program with the possibility that I'm going to be a Division I coach before too long? Probably a bit of the latter once I found out about it, because there is a reality that I think some of what my background was helped them understand that no matter if we stayed in Division II or if we made the transition, I had experience in both places and success in both levels. Uh, so I don't know nothing about me changed because the way I go about my job and how I run my team is exactly the same. And that's kind of how I put it. Like I'm going to treat my student athletes and provide the experience that I think makes sense for them, no matter who we're playing against. Um, but yeah, just the opponent changes a little bit more travel. I'll say that. (laughs) 
a lot more travel. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, of course, during the interview, you, you have to speak to the probabilities and what might be coming. So once they shared it with me, you do speak to it and you just share your thoughts. And, you know, I always try to be very open and earnest in, in how I go about things, because I think anytime you can provide more information, it helps you collaborate better. So just tried to be as straightforward as possible and must have said something I liked. Well, that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so now moving ahead. Uh, the Royals are looking for their first win. Yeah, uh, five games in. You've got three draws, which isn't too bad. Oh, <laughs> yeah, uh, but at uh, two losses and three draws, uh, what are your impressions at this point? Are, did you expect to be in this situation? Did you expect to be further along, or are you where you expected? In in some ways further along and in other ways not like at this point, if I would have I built a really difficult schedule for us because we returned and brought in a bunch of newcomers. I knew we were going to be a strong team. So to prepare us for race on play, because that's kind of our national championship right now is is that conference title. So I didn't shy away from any tough matches, you know, anything that was kind of available and I thought was going to give us a good challenge to help us grow, to help us learn about ourselves so that hopefully when we get into a sun play next weekend, we've learned a whole lot of lessons and we've taken a lot away from that non-conference play so that we're better prepared once we're in conference play. Um, even, even this past Sunday, I think is a great example. We managed an extremely chaotic game that we hadn't really experienced before in regards to, the environment, the emotion, and some of the things that weren't in our control, having high impact in our space. And it was a heartbreaker. You know, you give up a goal in the final minute of play. You know, I think everybody, no matter how much you don't want it to be about that first win, it's always there. So it's like you're right on that precipice of grabbing it, and then you concede a PK call. And, you know, those are, those are crushing, you know, you know, that you're supposed to get scored on in that moment. So, so we drew again, but we're right on the edge. I'm really proud of the group. There's a lot of things that I knew about us that are presenting wholeheartedly in regards to their fight, how they go about things, the build of the culture that we're trying to instill and how it's impacting our on-field and off-field play in response. Uh, Cause they're, they're a hungry group and they've really stayed on it, even though we haven't gotten that first win yet. So that's something that my staff and I have talked about quite a bit this week. Like we're really proud at where they are and how they're going about themselves, because it'd be really easy for this group who's won a lot in the past to make this transition, not get over that hurdle quite yet, be right on the cusp and be like, throw your hands up, take your, take your toys and go home but they're still right in it. They're excited about the upcoming game. I think anytime you can make that transition into conference play and you kind of get to wipe the slate clean and go, go from zero again, uh, you know, we're in a really good place and in, in what we were hoping non-conference was going to be for us. It's provided those lessons and it's really challenged us uh, some ways that you'd expect in terms of good play and good opponents. And then other play, other ways like people getting red, you know, opponents getting red carded and, chucked out of games and having to figure out dealing with a hostile crowd and, and all those sorts of things. You, you can never anticipate that. <laughs> um, but now we have that in our back pocket and we're better for it. Uh, you know, I'm a big believer in learning from what you go through, no matter if it's a plus or a minus. And we've had both. So you just keep moving forward. That's what season is. Fast and furious. <laughs> and you're only five games in. So. Exactly. No, I know. <laughs> we've gone through so much already in our short tenure. <laughs> yeah. uh, when you understanding that coaches wear so many hats besides teacher, their administrators, 
they are soothsayers. <laughs> are you finding yourself having to put on the psychoanalyst hat too, uh, as far as you've got this group of players who, the ones who have returned from last year, they were quote unquote division two players. And yeah. now all of a sudden they're division one athletes. Your newcomers, you know, coming out of high school, you know, maybe they signed up for a different experience. And now all of a sudden they're thrown into that same cauldron. Do you find yourself having to help your players understand, look, it's still just soccer. The opponents are different. They're, you know, but we are too. And so you need to be able to make the adjustment. Do you find yourself having to having to be uh, a counselor of sorts? I, to a point. I mean, I think it's def it's absolutely a conversation we've had, but it's not a consistent conversation because like, as you mentioned, we're five games in, but we've been here for a little over a month now and playing toe to toe with some really fantastic teams. Um, you know, spring season was wonderful. I got a chance to be here for that developmental period. And during that time we played division one opponents as well, even before we knew about the transition, because you play people that are better than you to try to get yourself better. Uh, so we had experience playing against these teams prior to the transition. Of course, during season is different. So the conversation's been there, but it's not a big piece of how we're managing our day to day. Honestly, the what you mentioned, the, the, the psychological side of it is real. Anytime you're going through a sports season and you're dealing with multiple people trying to work together, you're always managing the mental side of it, right? The, the psychological health, the, the fortitude, the grit. Um, you know, even just the approach of things, you're always trying to find ways to help you be successful there. As much as you train a technical skill on the field, you're training them mentally and how to be better leaders, how to be better teammates, how to better handle adversity. Um, those things that are presenting, are, I find just as normal as anywhere else. You know, they're no different than the youth teams that I've coached in the past, no different than when I was at Grand Valley, no different than when I was at Northwestern division aside. Uh, so after that initial conversation, I think of like, yep, guys, we knew this could be coming now. It's now, <laughs> not not next year, but now. Um, it's really just been, I don't want to say a normal year because there is an excitement and a different weight to what we're doing because it's something that not everybody gets to experience. But when it comes to helping the team, those are normal things that you kind of approach and manage. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned some of your previous stops, uh, Grand Valley State. You won a couple of national championships there as an assistant. Uh, Northwestern, you were an assistant. And those programs, uh, along with Fordham, they all improved during your time there as an assistant coach. Mm -hmm. Talk about your transition now to head coach. Yeah, I, I'm a perpetual learner everywhere I've been and everybody that I've worked for and with. And even my student athletes, I just think they've prepared me for this experience. They've, you know, I have a lot of friends and colleagues that I'm still very close with that I rely on in mentorship roles, advice roles that I'll call and, and touch base with them about. Um, but I think the biggest things that I've always taken with me from when I was a student athlete to my professional space is not just trying to create a space where you're helping other people get better, but asking that same thing of yourself. I think the consistency of my story in terms of that, you know, everywhere I've been has, I, I believe, well, I know that we've gotten better, but I take pride that I had a part in that because there's a lack of complacency. 
there's always a question of how can I do this better? Okay, that was good. What's next? Okay, she's doing really well, but how can I challenge her to push her out of her comfort zone? Because if you're standing still, somebody else is going to bypass you. And, and I think the same of myself, uh, you know, I think this last weekend was one of those really difficult sport moments where a tie felt like a loss and you don't let yourself sit in it and wallow, but you have to be able to reflect and learn and figure out what could I have done differently? Cause hindsight's 2020 20 for a reason. You do get to look back and say, well, if I did that so that the next time it presents, because there's so much repetition in sport in managing teams and working with people. So if you pay attention to the things during success and during failure, you're better prepared the next time that repetition comes. It's just like the on the on-field work. Um, and I think that's been a big theme and a big lesson that I've always taken with me from one spot to the next. It's like, if you're pushing to be better than what you were yesterday, what you were last season, you're going to find improvement and you're going to keep moving forward because then you're just kind of stacking on. It's not like you get better one day and last you you're always trending in the right direction, no matter the ups and downs that you're taking. Um, so those have been the biggest things. And I think why we're seeing continued development and success, even with the challenge of this transition year, we're getting better. The group is getting better. The culture is getting better. The players individually are getting better. My staff is getting better. I'm getting better because we all know that there's lessons to learn and you just have to pay attention to them so that you can take them forward with you. Yeah. So what is the one thing that you did not know when you took this gig that you have learned? And it's like, oh, that's what I did not know. What a good question. Um, gosh, I'm not sure. I think maybe one of the things that's been most surprising is not necessarily about my job, but, but maybe how few people know what Queens is. And I guess that's a part of, well, it absolutely is a part of the transition is to broaden that brand and, and to expose people to us. But sometimes I am shocked when people are like, wait, where's Queens? Is it in New York? Wait, wait so you, now you're going division one. Well, yeah, we're five games in actually, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And you get, you get New York, there's a Queens in Canada, like all those things. I think that's been the biggest surprise because, you know, in my history in athletics, I've known and kind of been a fan from afar. So when the job opportunity presented, I jumped at it wholeheartedly. And so I've kind of known what this place was and was excited about the opportunity to kind of get involved and be a part of it. So I think that's been the biggest thing is that there's still such a, a bigger platform to showcase really how special this place is and what the department has been doing in the past and what we're doing now transitioning into division one I just think we're there's so much here to offer young people and even you know even to our staff and somebody like myself it's it's a special place. So sometimes when I come across people who don't know who we are, I'm still surprised by it. Yeah. And I think that was part of you know when I spoke to folks earlier about making that transition to division 1. That was the thing that always stood out no matter who I talked to, the conversation always came back to raising the profile. Mm -hmm. And you know, truth be told, there are a lot of people in Charlotte who don't know exactly what Queens is in terms of, you know, they've they've heard of the school, yes. Athletics, maybe men's basketball, but you know, 
Queens has a ton of athletic programming going on, and women's soccer is on the come up, as folks like to say. Uh, how can you help push that brand so that you can get more of that regional and that national come up? It's in everything. It's engaging in the local community. You know, we've been working pretty hard to to get clubs and youth teams to our games where, you know, get them to our camp so that you have that younger soccer fan base, like excited about your current team and your players, um, you know, in a very simple way, there's, there's a reason certain teams become more beloved. And in its simplest ways, you got to start putting some W's on the board. Like people like to go to events where your supported team is successful. You know, they want, everybody loves a winner. Um, so that's a piece of it as well. And then kind of in that broader sense, you start to get creative. You start to do things in the social media platform to create engagement in a broader sense to connect with families. We have a wonderful international representation, not just in our school, but in our team. So the bigger soccer community globally, you want to try to connect with. Um, and then in a competition and scheduling standpoint, putting people on the schedule, like our upcoming game this weekend against Tennessee, like they're one of the top 10 pro or top 20 programs in the country right now. I think they were ranked seventh coming into this season. And the only losses that they've taken are against top five teams in the country, like playing brands and programs that are that storied and have that success at this division one level instantly put you in a different picture and on a different platform. You know, when I'm talking to recruits about being on ESPN SEC network, like, Hey, watch. And they're like, Oh really? That's so easy. That's great. You know, all of our home games last night was the very first ESPN plus broadcast from Queens athletics for the men's soccer match, like being able to pop on Hulu and see Queens athletics matches there. Like all of those things fold into us becoming known people outside of Charlotte, recognizing the Rex head, which I think is a fantastic logo, by the way, but that's a different conversation. Um, it just, every piece of the puzzle is being attended to and it's so thoughtful how the department and our leadership is going about it i think it's going to naturally happen and then kind of like i mentioned boots on the ground like some point you got to win like some point you know i keep i was joking with uh with our players on the bus ride home on sunday like we keep accumulating all these moral victories like sooner or later we can have an actual victory not just a tie <laughs> yeah yeah and even to that end you talked about the engagement with your your opener your group played in the very first Division One event, ever. match, whatever, yep. ever, and drew a record crowd. Yeah, uh, talk a little bit about being able to play that very first match and set a school record for attendance for women's soccer in the process. Yeah, we knew with the nature of how the schedule works, women's soccer is always the first sport to kick off in the collegiate space. So as soon as it was announced, we kind of knew that that was going to be a thing. And as we started to put together our schedule, we were really fortunate to find a home match for it, which just elevated it that much more because it was no longer just the first competition. It was the first home match. And I think from that moment forward, our leadership and people within our department just put so much effort in behind promoting it, supporting it, getting the community and the school excited about it. And, and you saw the fruits of that labor. I mean, we set an attendance record for the complex and had just a great night. The atmosphere was extraordinary. We had that youth base that we talked about and getting them connected to the sport and excited for the team. We had an opponent come in who's been perpetually one of the top in the region. Um, I just think 
it really speaks highly to the department and how they're supporting this transition in our teams. And it really showed the reality of what we can do. Like we are poised to be kind of a ticket in town, come out to the sports complex, come out to this great night. You know, it's one of the reasons people move to the Carolinas. The weather is always wonderful. We have Charlotte FC. So people are excited about soccer in general right now around the city. So having two soccer teams like us in the men's program have these home matches against great competition and creating a family environment for people to come out to. It's just something more in an already great city. And we were just fortunate, quite frankly, to be the first one there and to have the chance to kick it off. Like it's something that I'll always remember in my career and hopefully our players do as well, because it was a special night and something I'll always remember. Yeah. And when you talk about soccer, uh, you mentioned Charlotte FC and that is, you know, when you're talking soccer in Charlotte or the Carolinas, that seems to be the place everybody goes (laughs) in in a, in a different way, in a different space, you know, women's soccer in North Carolina has been especially strong over the years. And now that Queens is division one, how can you fit into that space? And is there enough love to go around for women's soccer in this region? Well, the short answer is yes. But as you can tell, I like to explain myself. So I'll continue on. Well, go ahead and explain it. <laughs> no, it, it it's something, it's a point of pride, right? Like the sport down here, women's soccer in the United States has always been something extraordinary. It's been something different. It's always been on the cusp of pushing the narrative of women in sports in our country and even in global competition. And when you look at what soccer, football, and the rest of the world is, there's <laughs> more than enough to go around and still more coming. You know, the highest attendance rates at Wembley this year were for women's matches. The the top selling tickets around the European club circuits right now are for women's championships matches. The NWSL has more teams than it ever has with more female owners than it's ever had. And so much of that, you can trace the history back to the Carolinas. You know, obviously, I think everybody knows UNC in particular is a big catalyst for that. But then you look at the programs like NC State, Wake Forest, Duke, UNCC, Davidson. I mean, and then you go into South Carolina and the Waffords and the Gardner-Webbs and gosh, there's just, there's too many to name really. UNC Wilmington, who we opened with, like there's so many fantastic programs right in our backyard. Um, It just is fun to be in this space because you are around that lineage that kind of kicked off a lot. You know, people, there's a reason Anson Dorrance is a bit of a household name in athletics, not just soccer. And it's because he was a part of that national team program and the UNC team that really built a lot of what we're standing on. And it, it sounds a little trivial and far-fetched, but, we're a division one program playing at this level right now because of what they started all those years ago. You know, our athletic department is, I think they, they said it's 37 years old or something in that space in terms of varsity athletics and women's soccer started, they had their first season in, in 1989, you know, so we're young in the scope of Carolina soccer, but I think that's why it's exciting. It's why people are kind of like on board with Charlotte FC because there's, there's a great passion for the sport and there's a great opportunity. Like 
the more the better. Like I think if anything you can learn from what's happening in soccer and in the world right now is that there's absolutely a market for more teams and for more exciting teams, as long as you have a good product to sell. And Queens is absolutely that. And, you know, I'm very biased, but our young women on our team are extraordinary. They're absolutely a picture of, you know, a role model that young girls and boys can look up to and in, in who they are, who they're becoming. We have young women that want to coach. We have some that want to play professionally post-graduation. Like they're fantastic. And, and it's built on a little bit of what started right here in the Carolinas in the soccer space, especially in the U S. Yeah. And understanding that you talked about Tennessee and that's your opponent this weekend. Yeah. That's Saturday. Sunday. Sunday. Yep. Sunday. Sunday. Okay. Yeah, there's a lot going on Sunday. Um, <laughs> but when you talk about a, a program like Tennessee and you want to make your mark, how big is that Tennessee game? And what do you tell your players, if anything, about going to Knoxville and taking them on? Yeah, I think it's natural to circle a match like that on your calendar because it's special. Not everybody gets to go and play against the power five schools in the country. There are in women's soccer, 348, I believe now, because there are five brand new programs this year, um, teams at the division one level, you only get 20 games a season if you max out your regular season scheduling. So you don't get opportunities to play teams uh, at that caliber all the time. So it's natural that it feels like a special opportunity because it absolutely is. And that's okay to have that conversation and to understand that we're going to go out there and play against some players that are in the national team program and, you know, a group that's favored to compete for an SEC title and were champions last year. Um, I think that's a recognition of the platform that we're on now. It's the stage that we're on. And I'll never shy away from an opportunity of putting our players against those opponents because you learn the most that you can when you're playing against the best. And it's also a challenge for our staff because just like every game you go into, you watch your opponent, you learn who they are, and then you say, okay, for us, how do we tactically go about this group? And how do we teach it to our team so that we can set ourselves up for potential success? And that's how we're going about it this this week as well, just as we did the week before. Yeah. But now, not to try to get you to go go and put on the, you know, the, uh, the, the, the fortune teller hat. I cannot wait for this question, Herb. Go for it. <laughs> But what would that mean for you um, individually and as a program to notch that first win against the Tennessee? Or is it just a matter of, let's just get a win, period. Don't care <laughs> who it is. <laughs> uh, probably a little bit of both. I mean, there's a reason you go and you you play matches against teams that are better than you, and it's so that you can see if you can do it, right? Not just, you know go out there and try your best you you go out there with the intention of winning because why would you go about it any other way um you know we kind of talked about it before it it funny enough it really until people ask me about it I don't really think about it being my first season anymore because there's so, <laughs> you know everybody everybody in Queens is going through their first season right now it just happens to be your my time. first college head coaching season um and that's so far down the radar right now in terms of what we're doing because there's too much other stuff that is more important than that piece of our puzzle right now. The transition's more important. Our student athletes are more important. We're still in the aftermath of 
like the recruiting process and how COVID impacts. We have student athletes that are deciding to stay that fifth year still, and then incoming players that we're, you know, uh, so, so it's, it's a big deal as you're searching for that historic first win. It's a great opportunity when you get to go and take the field with a program like Tennessee. Uh, but when it comes to me, that's so far down the list these days with everything else that's coming along. <laughs> I'd be happy, but it, it's not going to be about me once it happens. <laughs> Don't mess around and get it in Knoxville, man. <laughs> <laughs> But that would be, you know. But I don't, th- I don't doubt that uh, at some point in time you're going to get the first one. And like yeah. you said, you still have the advantage of starting zero and zero once you start with a sign, and that's right around the corner too. Yeah. Uh, what's the message going into the start of conference season? I think you hit the nail on the head. It's a little bit of a start to a new season all over again. You know, so much of non-conference play is always about preparing yourself for those conference opponents, but especially for us during this transition period, because we're not eligible for NCAA play yet. So everything we do is about a sun competition and trying to challenge ourselves for that championship. Um, And that is the fun thing. Like there's so much good we can take from these, you know, we've played five and then six non-conference games that hopefully will help us be more successful. And part of that comes with getting over that hurdle of getting that first win because you can't can't win a title unless you're winning games. So eventually we got to kind of get get through that that barrier. Um, they're poised for it. I agree with you wholeheartedly, even though I'm biased, like it's going to come. I don't know when, but every time we take the field, we have an opportunity to do it. And that's how we approach it. Uh, outstanding. It's been, <laughs> uh, it's been a, a, a real eye opener. To to get to talk to you and get an idea of what's going on with uh, with Queens uh, women's soccer or in the early stages of the <laughs> and it sounds like it's going to be a heck of a ride. It is once you pick up a win. So yes, exactly. <laughs> no getting around it. We keep score for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, and there's no telling what that party's going to look like. But yes, I'm, it'll be off the game. But. Uh, Coach, I appreciate you joining me today and uh, much success to you. Uh, Thank you. You're on out and congratulations on the job, even though I know it's a little old now. (laughs) That's okay. Congratulations. (laughs) And I think that uh, you you guys are going to enjoy your time in Charlotte. You're going to enjoy the A-Sun and you're going to enjoy Division One. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. It's been a a heck of a ride so far. I'm glad that that people like yourselves are, are excited about it as well. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> Good. You let me know when you come out to a game. I got a scarf for you. Okay. I'll be sure to do that. <laughs> you hold me to it. <laughs> I will. You have yourself a great day. Thank you. And there you have it. Shannon Neely Noel, new women's soccer coach at Queens, chasing down that first win. Maybe it will happen this weekend in Knoxville against Tennessee. In the meantime, we appreciate you listening to Sports Charlotte where we talk to all kinds of folks from all sorts of disciplines in many capacities in local-oriented sports. We appreciate your support, especially as donors and subscribers to the Charlotte Post. And if you haven't done that yet, go to our website, thecharlottepost.com, click on the Donate button or the Subscribe button, Either way, your support helps fuel our journalism and this podcast 
which can be heard on Queen City Podcast Network, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Everybody at the office, I'm Herb. Thanks for listening. QueenCityPodcastNetwork.com.